All right, Jonathan, we are all right, Jonathan, we are live on LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, and on Facebook. What's going on? Well, I mean, I'm doing the whole isolation thing. I guess half the world is at the moment. So I uh, have gone half crazy, but it's only been a couple of weeks. So we'll see where we go. Right. How are you changing things up? How are you how are you keep how are you what are some things you're doing to Well <laughs> I mean, I, I'm pretty sure my exercise routine has gone to hell. Going up and down the stairs it has turned into my exercise. Uh, yeah. But our whole office is completely decentralized now. Uh, Australian operations, uh, US operations, everybody's working from home. Uh, we've really taken to Discord actually more than than Slack. So we set up a bunch of yeah, a bunch of new channels. And I mean, it, it kind of I think that was inevitable given that the entire company is comprised of gamers. So we all end up on Discord more than in our, you know, the corporate sort of channels. Very interesting. We talk about Discord a lot on here about how it's uh, pretty underused for uh, business sense, for like just yeah, business activity. So it's going to be really cool to see how that kind of plays out. So, okay, well, we are live. There was a little hiccup there on LinkedIn Live, but it, it kicked in there on a little bit of a delay. So we're live on all four platforms. Hope everyone's having a, having a good day. We're going to try something real quick. Um, we're going to actually grab the LinkedIn link uh and then jonathan i'm going to post it for you um if you guys would share that that would be that would be really greatly appreciated if you could share the linkedin live link um and then also if you're on youtube if you can share the link would be greatly appreciated thank you all for doing that it really does mean a lot uh we've had some of the stream notifications not go out so sharing that would be greatly appreciated so thank you guys for grabbing the linkedin link uh i'm going to grab it right now actually and go from there but excited to do this today, uh, Jonathan. Thank you for jumping on. I really, I really do appreciate it. Um, as I, sorry about that. As I grab this link here, give me give me one second. Uh, yeah, and also jump in the chat real quick. Let us know where you're coming from. I forgot to say that. I always like to say that. Let us know where you come from this morning. Uh, I'm before we jump in, Jonathan. Let me post this real quick. So that's the actual link. I just posted in LinkedIn chat, and I'm going to post it. In YouTube as well, but this is the link if you would like to share it. We're gonna try to we're gonna try to make this a habit. There we go. We're gonna try to make this a habit uh, before we get started. So jump into chat. Let's where we come from. Ken, Ken Gold, how you doing? Thanks for being here. Thanks for hanging out, you guys. So to get started, Jonathan, I'm gonna give you the floor for a couple minutes. Talk about yourself, uh, maybe a little bit the genesis about uh, frame play, what you guys are doing. Definitely. I, I, I mean, I'm trying to work out how to, <laughs> to share this link as elegantly and quickly as you did. You seem to have this down pack. I'm trying. I'm trying. You know, I, I'm trying to. So a, little, a lot of copy pasting and uh, control V's here and there. So. Yeah, yeah. That's that's. I'm about to have that. Oh yeah, it's, a, it's all good. It's all good. Oh, yeah. actually, before we get actually, you know what? I skipped over something. Uh, as far as like the fitness side of things, if anybody could post, what are you guys doing to uh, as far as working out? I would love to hear your all's. Uh, workout regimens, routines, what have you been doing? Has it been like up and down stairs? Um, I'm actually, you know, I need to get over the, I guess, the whole judgment thing. You talk about you know, posting content, not worrying what people think and things like that. Um, I'm going to make a video. I'm going to actually throw it out right now. I'm going to make a video of me doing shadow wrestling because I have a wrestling background. And I'm just going to post it. I'm, I'm, people make fun of me. It's okay. You know, I'm way past my wrestling prime. But uh, it's that's actually some of the way I, I'm trying to get my cardio in. Is a little, you know, just in, in my basement. Uh, doing some shadow wrestling. So I might post it on LinkedIn, probably get made fun of, but uh, we'll see how that goes. But let us know how you're uh, getting your workouts in. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. Uh, sorry, you want to repeat the question again? Yeah. If you would just take a, take a couple minutes, talk about um, your personal background, uh, as well as maybe talk about uh, the genesis of frame play and how that all worked out. Definitely. Okay. So, I think fundamentally, whenever we talk to anybody about this category uh, and the origins of which it come from, I think I'll start off with who I am. And who I am is, is basically a massive gamer. And now that's taken, I guess, a bunch of different forms. Depends on who you talk to and what a gamer is. Like, uh, I understand my category of gaming is very 
quintessential. It's uh, I love playing first-person shooters. I play a massive amount of PUBG. I've just started getting into the new COD as well. But, I mean, if you go back and you start thinking about, uh, I guess, who I was, it really started when I was what, around like, 10 and I started going through the evolution of, you know, the Nintendo 64 and all that kind of thing. And, I mean, GoldenEye was the best thing on the planet. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, to this day, I still have my Nintendo 64 and I occasionally get it out when there's, you know, having a beer and you got to play Mario Kart because you have to maintain that dominance that everybody knows they're still better than them. And uh, then I think going forward from that, you, you kind of get into building your own computers and we started hosting our own LAN parties. And back then, I used to, uh, we used to host these massive LAN parties where we have a 24-port switch because that's the only thing we could afford. And uh, we'd get 24 people in there, and it would be like a two-day event. We're playing games the whole time. And I think that's sort of really sort of spawned the love and the passion for the space. Uh, and then I guess going forward from there, it just, it just never left, and it's always been something that I really wanted to be involved in. Um, and I guess where this sort of started, I can go into the Inception story if, if you want. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, so... It was actually 2017, and I met my co-founder uh, playing PUBG. This is back when PUBG used to be amazing. It was full of bugs. Uh, what, year, what year was this? Pardon? What year 2017. Was 2017. Yeah, 2017. So this is back when it was full of bugs. It was fantastic. I mean, I, I, you're continuously laughing. You're continuously frustrated because you're blowing up from hitting an invisible wall in a vehicle or something. <laughs> um, but... The game was fantastic, and I met my co-founder actually in the game. There was uh, his name was Rossi four five eight, and I don't know if you play these sorts of games, but when you find somebody that you randomly match with that is actually decent, you want to keep playing with them because playing with the, like average person gets frustrating. Anyways, we're playing, and it was at this point that they used to have uh, like it looked like a Red Bull can in in the game, and. That was removed uh, from an update that subsequent, uh, so what, probably like three months after we started playing. And we sort of looked at it and said, wow, like, wh why would you remove this? This is such a massive opportunity. There's so many people who are actually playing this game every day. Concurrently, it was around 3 million people at this stage. And we thought that was a massive waste of, I guess, advertising. And we sort of looked at the industry and thought, well, how could this be done better? And I, I guess I want to point out that. IGA, or sorry, um, in-game advertising, is not a new concept. We weren't some group that came up with this idea, and it's radically different. We had a very different approach, and we had a very technical and technology-driven approach with a lot of data. Um, but I can segue back to that later. Sure. So we sort of thought, you know, what, what's out there? We can definitely build something better, because at that point, it was basically advertising in games, and still to this day, really, and there's a lot of re-education that's going on, is banners and interstitials on mobile. I mean, unless you're EA 2K or something like that, or that size studio where you can actually do a direct deal, there's nothing in there. So we wanted to make a system that was accessible, not just to, I guess you would say, AAA studios, but then also accessible to the smaller people. So whether it's a student, uh, then they're building games in college whether it's indie studios and they only have one or two people. We wanted to make the same systems effectively available for this little guy as it is available for the larger AAA studios and make that scalable across the board. And by doing so, we were able to intrinsically insert ad creative into the environments, in the game environments, where it's very unobtrusive to a gamer. And that was the whole point we wanted to achieve is we don't want the advertising to become a negative effect on the game experience, uh, negative brand connotation, because a lot of brands are very conscious around you know, where they end up in games and why and how the player interacts with them. And is that going to net a positive result? So that was kind of the, the whole point of it is we I didn't want to see games eventually turn into, uh, I guess you'd say the internet, covered, littered with ads, stuff that is just, I guess it drives you insane when you're navigating around those things continuously popping up in front of your face and really wrecking experience of the whole thing. Um, and that's what we want to change and make sure we control the narrative going forward that the gaming experience remain pure for gamers, really. And then I guess real quick, this is, this could be, this could take a long time, but it was, let's try to do this a couple minutes, but 
talk about like the history of like in-game advertising over the years. Cause like you said, this isn't something new. I mean, obviously yeah. around a long time, but I guess like loot boxes, microtransactions versus kind of the native advertising side of things. Yeah. Well, I guess there's a, there's a couple things there. So yeah, sure. uh, I guess if you can go back, if you want to go back, this goes back a long way. Like, and, and I think the most recent iteration beyond what we're doing now, people would think double fusion, they would think massive, Basically, like that kind of era, like the 2010 is kind of the, the the latest iteration that people are very cognizant of. Now, it goes back far further than that, though. Like 98, I remember seeing bits and pieces uh, during our research and all of this. Uh, and I'm sure the, the concept goes back even further because um, I guess you know, people were definitely playing around with games trying to do this. But... Uh, the audience has massively shifted. So it's really the, the attention in this space has, mass, has changed. So I, I mean, imagine you would have seen this as well. Uh, something in the start of 2018, all of a sudden gaming is center stage and people are realizing the average game, well now, like people are realizing the average game is 34. And with a 50-50 split, like male-female, like that's, mm -hmm. that's insane to most people. Um, so going back, uh, IGA is nothing, it's not new. We just wanted to take a different approach. We didn't want to take a marketer's approach because I feel like marketers tend not to understand who a gamer is at the core and necessarily why people are gaming there and they're really breaking apart the sort of experience that people want to have. Um, sorry, I got lost in my own. No, it's all right. No, I, no I, so a couple of questions. So one question would be, and by the way, guys, um, Jonathan Troughton, CEO at Frameplay with us. Make sure to go ahead and type into chat, wherever platform you're on, type in questions as we go, because we want to answer as many of your questions as possible, because this is a pretty broad topic. I think it's it all, I think it's pretty interesting. We can go, go down uh, different kind of micro questions with all this. So um, I think there could be a lot of value here. So uh, one of the questions I had was, how does... You mentioned it earlier, but how does oh uh, you're mentioning loot boxes and all this kind of stuff? Yeah. So how does like in-game yeah. advertising dilute yeah. or affect the experience of gamers? Yeah. Okay. So specifically, if you're talking about loot boxing, you're talking really about game monetization mechanics, and loot boxes. It depends on the type of game as well. Keep in mind that uh, in-game, what we call native or not native, intrinsic advertising. Native is something which gets wildly abused because native now is basically the way the wording is is used in most cases is the fact that it was the ad appeared during a game session they're considering that native now people will debate this and say it's this and that and whatever the reality is if it's being shown during a game session they're calling it native it's not like native if you look at it from a game's perspective is intrinsic it should be part of the environment it shouldn't be ripping you out of the environment because if you're being pulled out of the environment, it's no longer native um, in my perspective. <laughs> sure, that. sure. Uh, but when you start talking about monetization mechanics, you really, and I, we work with some fantastic people, I've come some great studios all around the world. But one of the big things for them is how does that relate to the core loop of the game? You don't want to break the core loop. Core loop really is going to ensure that there's a, a really pure experience. It's really it's great for the uh, the gamer themselves, but you're also going to boost retention. Now, and something which comes up a lot, especially in anything uh, and a lot of the current forms, specifically in mobile, it, it tends to hinder retention and not necessarily have the best brand connotation well, when someone's being ripped out of their game, being forced to watch a video for 30 seconds and they either, you know, quit out of the app or they do whatever. I mean, I, I can't speak to that. But uh, that sort of leads you back around to loot boxes and other monetization mechanics like skins and all this kind of thing. So I'm not going to sit on, I guess, a political topic here on whether or not, you know, children sure. are going to be able to do this. I saw an article, this I think it was yesterday, um, I think it was somebody in the NBA his uh, his kids spent twenty six thousand dollars in the month, in, just for the month in right. Fortnite, um, because you know I guess they they're not really being monitored there. Now a lot of parents do monitor what their kids are doing online, but these instances where I guess children have access to their parents' credit cards or however it is, mm -hmm. and they're monetizing through that form. I mean, I mean, is that right? I don't know, maybe it's on the parents to to make sure they're monitoring what their kids are doing better. But there's a lot of speculation around whether 
that's ethically sound, especially in people who don't necessarily know the value of a dollar. So I'm not saying take these things away. It's definitely a fantastic monetization mechanic and it also allows for studios to produce very high quality games and subsidize them by having, well, they can be basically free to play. Uh, but it does prey on a certain area. Uh, and even in that, when you go to look at, the, uh, I guess you would say free to play, free to play typically monetizes between one and 2%. They only monetize really in Europe, uh, the US, Canada, parts of South America, Australia. Uh, but then a lot of, you'd say Southeast Asia, excluding China, they really rarely pay for anything that is in free-to-play. So the monetization there is low. So how it better could you serve studios who are delivering to those regions uh, to have something like intrinsic advertising where you can actually reach them, they can be reached from good services, whatever brands, like proper brand advertising, not just advertising other games. And this loops me back to another comment around uh, when we get asked all the time, it's like, oh, well, you know, are there other games advertised? Fundamentally on our platform, we said there needs to be an option for the developer to say, I don't want other games to be advertised. And never really, I mean, I do understand why a lot of them do it and they, they use the revenue from acquisition of a game to basically drive their revenue, which for me seems, yeah, I guess it's it's revenue. <laughs> I might say what they want to do. But I look at it as in you're cannibalizing your own player base. So why wouldn't you just have different ad creative in there? And now the easy answer is they're going to say brand advertising is hard in games. All of them are going to say this. They all think it's the most impossible thing on the planet. And I'll tell you what, it's not easy. But if you can present to brands the benefits, the audience, actually prove to them that this is not some clickbait, this is not some poorly executed system, and you actually can establish that you're actually getting value, and this is the fundamental blocks of where we sort of built our whole company is we wanted to provide value to not just the developer, but also the advertiser, because that industry is not necessarily transparent all the time. Uh, so we wanted to provide transparency, value, and this has really come along with the data and making sure that we can prove everything that happens in these game environments. So that's been one of our fundamental building blocks of who we are as a company as well. And I think you would relate to this as well, Chris, is gamers tend to have a maybe like a different set of ethics on, on how things go. They like to see things being as, I don't know, as they think the world should be. Now, that, that might sound naive, but <laughs> generally, if you are doing something shady around gamers, they will call you out on this. And <clears throat> we wanted to go into this from the start and just be transparent to say, this is what we're doing. You know, if there's an ad in there, great. You, you're getting the game for free or you're really helping the developer out because, it, you know, this is the un seen side of gaming as well is to make games it's really hard unless you're at the top you generally are not making any money and you have to get lucky so any tool or system you can have that's not going to break the pure experience of the game which you know there's a lot of games that aren't using tools that are pure but they don't really have any options until now uh, you you want to go down that route to really look after the, the gamer and we've talked a little, a little bit about this, but you know, it's it's how do you, you know how do you generate revenue and increase long uh, LTV, so uh, lifetime value with a brand, right? While you say without it being intrusive and destroying the experience, because when you destroy an experience for the gamers, then that's destroying revenue at the same time as well. If they leave the game, then that's revenue that's going to be lost for that yeah. user. So, I mean, how how do you guys do that, and and how do you all uh, compile the data essentially to kind of talk to the brands, you know, and how do you do that? If that's all yeah. right, we can talk about that. All right. Well, I mean, I'm not going to go into the secret source of things. Sure, um, sure. But uh, the yeah, very much what you're saying there. So LTV is is massive, and this this I guess comes back to what I was talking about: core loop mechanics in a game. So uh, when you have free to play, the the I guess the ideals of having skins, loot boxes that that has minimized effects on core core loop, so it doesn't necessarily damage it too much. Uh, ripping you out of a game like a like a video in the middle of a of a game really breaks call loop mechanics. Um, so to your point with LTV, the longer I guess you would call what we would like to look at as in session length. So the longer the session length is, 
the more you're able to monetize on, I guess you would say, a skew of different brands that may be targeted towards people. Uh, obviously, there's elements in there. So once you start hitting particular age brackets, you would have all sorts of regulation that you, you can't target. That's fine. You don't need to. Uh, they're not necessarily the people who are spending the money anyway. So you want to be going, obviously, to these, these older uh, demographics. But actually being part of the environment and again without sort of giving everything away without uh so actually having things fully intrinsic part of the 3d uh, environment and, and keep in mind it doesn't necessarily need to be 3d it can be 2.5d uh it could be cartoon stylized it could be photorealistic it doesn't matter how the game developer wants so we're always going to pull in ad creative that is relative to that environment so it has been styled or actually it's on the developer to actually decide this but if the developer decides, I have a cartoon stylized game, we're going to pull in creative that is styled to that game environment. It doesn't matter if it's a real world environment, it's a cartoon game. That creative has to come in styled. Now, you've got a, a piece of creative that is immersed completely in the environment. It's intrinsic. It's not breaking from the reality of it. Therefore, the, I guess you would say, uh, intrinsic feel of the creative is not subtracting away from the total game experience. Therefore, over projected timeframes, people tend to have longer session lengths and you get greater LTV because every, I guess you would say minute that somebody is in there, you can attribute that back to additional creative from a brand that could potentially be viewed or impressions could have been had or interactions could have been had. And that is, that actual impression or engagement is then monetized. Um, we have always had a very large focus on uh, pushing a huge portion. Actually, the developer makes as much as we make out of any of this uh, because we've sort of recognized that from the start is this is not just to help the large studios. This is to help the small studios. This is the indies, the, you know, the kids that are started coming out of college. They want to build a game. They, you know, you don't necessarily need to go and work at Costco, you can build a game and you're not going to get rich off it because obviously your first few games, they're going to be pretty rough, but you might make enough to actually, you know, buy dinner, pay rent, that kind of stuff. So I'm, say I'm a developer, I guess talk a little bit about, again, without giving away the secret sauce, like you said, but like I'm a developer, how, how do you work with developers directly and kind of like I've, I've identified, okay, intrinsic virtual advertising is important. I get it. It's going to set us apart from other developers. Like how do you work with them exactly? Yeah. Okay. So it depends. Typically, it depends on the size of the studio. Uh, smaller studios, and obviously, there's a, an economic part here. We very much like to engage with them as much as we can, hands on. But there's obviously a commercial element that we have to factor in. Say, how much time are we going to put with these these groups versus the return we're going to get? Obviously, as most businesses, we do put more time into where we see there being more return, but that being said, when we have time free up, we do pivot back to the smaller studios and actually engaging with them. So they can engage, uh, like, for instance, uh, a small or India, whatever size. You can actually go to the Unity Asset Store and download our SDK. Uh, you can go straight in there, integrate, go to our platform. It will take you about 20 minutes and you can get up and running with our sort of system. Um, now, that being said, like how easy that is. We had a different sort of mindset. We didn't want to just, we didn't want to just say, you know what, let's build a. Like I said, we didn't want to have a program or a, uh, a system that we've built, and it's for the large ones. We are actually thinking about where is this going from a curriculum perspective? Where where is education going in this space? Are they understanding of what's coming up on the roadmap? Because obviously, you know, colleges should be seeing what's coming as you know, as industry is seeing it, and industry should be supporting the up-and-coming students and the next generation of game developers. So we engage with colleges. We engage uh, with universities across the United States, uh, Australia already. We're expanding globally on that sort of front as well online. So students are actually getting to play with our systems very early on. Um, we've just we've always had a fundamental understanding that, that the education side of everything, Not I'm not just talking just our use of our SDK, but like advertisers and agencies and how they actually understand what's happening in this space what uh what is uh what is intrinsic advertising and why why it's better for the gamer like so they understand that 
spending money necessarily in systems that sort of break experiences needs to slowly shift into trying to do something better for the gamer because really like, i mean it's going to be the biggest advertising market globally within the next what five ten years anderson horowitz has put in 150 million into roblox saying that it's the you know, gaming is the next social media i mean yeah. this stuff that we all projected you know in this space years ago but i mean it's now just catching on people are just starting to realize this um but yeah like we're, we're trying to be in the end of it trying to be a voice for good in this space and really sort of steer and direct the narrative to you know avoid doing exactly what happened in web so then let's let's shift a little bit we've, we've talked about i guess more so the gaming gaming space gaming industry which is obviously a is, is a different conversation from esports it's not always the same thing and the same no. language right so as far as esports how does this play out in esports space as far as the intrinsic virtual advertising and I, that's a loaded question um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, that's a, that's definitely a loaded question. We are, how do I put this? We are making investments and moves into esports because it's obviously going to be an area. I mean, if you if people haven't recognized this, this is not something that's just a fad. It's not going away. Um, we're going to see the excitement, like when you sort of see any new things or new, I guess, how do you say this? Like in the valley, you have there'll be some sort of concept. You know, it, it could have been it was a, it was um, VR and AR. Like going back a few years, you know, you have really great excitement that drop reality sets in, and then it, the long tail is that the technology adoption really sort of kicks in. So that can be said, I think, about esports. It's not going away. Like it's a hundred percent not. That's really where it's going to. The next, like my generation, like I'll sit there watching Twitch. I'll sit there watching Mixer. I, I, I mean, quite commonly, I, I'll go up and I'll have my lunch and I'll sit there and I'll watch Choco Taco just sitting there playing PUBG. Like, and I'm having my lunch. This is this is actually what I prefer to watch. I mean, yeah, I still read the news and so forth in the morning, but right. you know, at lunch, I want to watch Choco Taco. Not to, and not to interrupt you, but like, like you said, it's a part of the lifestyle. It's, all it's like, part it's, of the lifestyle. Yeah. It, 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 exactly. Like you said, not to disappear, but go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like I said, esports not going away. Uh, we are. Uh, we are putting a bit of emphasis on the investment and the integrations our systems. Let's put it that way. Uh, the integrations that our systems have in the entire esports ecosystem, uh, we're pretty committed to that because we can see not right now, it's not a massive revenue generator for us, but you know, in about three years time, two years time, that's sort of where we're looking at that really paying off. So yeah, I, I can't really go into the details. There, sure. No, I, to I totally get it. Uh, but yeah, but then because then you talk about esports, you're talking about um, those advertisements. If they're intrusive, right? It, it's it's destroying their experience as a fan watching mm -hmm. and not playing the game. So see, that's another. It's an interesting other dynamic. I don't know if you had any thoughts on that, but like you say, we were we were talking about from the player side playing a game, right? The gaming, but then on the other side is for an esports, the spectators and the viewers, you know, uh, kind of diluting their experience. Yeah. Okay. So give you a, like conceptually think of if you watch a an mlb game on on tv uh and you see as a spectator not in the stadium but as somebody watching on tv you can see pieces of ad creative that is behind you know the dugout we're, we're basically all all around the entire pitch everywhere like you can see it in in the background so the question would be how do you monetize those pieces of creative from the viewers at home without charging the networks that that i'll leave you with that right <laughs> a, little, a little cliffhanger yeah a little cliffhanger yeah. so yeah. but and it's changing and we talked a little bit about this but yeah we'd like to get your all's questions across all platforms we'd we'll be happy to throw those in, throw those out here because i think there's a lot of different ways a lot of different questions we can go to with this um but it will be it is going to be about an esport on the esports side, the experience of the viewer, um, and making that as le or there's less friction as possible, you know. So I, I think there's a lot of lot of talk around that on with different platforms, obviously, because it's going to be about the production value and and how that changes over time. Um, and then and then like you said, how how you integrate the environment 
for for long term value and revenue generation uh, for particular brands and things like that. So that's and that's something that it's a process. Again, there's I don't think there's one answer to all those all those questions. It's going to be a process, you know, as an industry to figure those out. Um, yeah. It's quite frankly, you know, um, you know, generating revenue is one thing uh, as an industry as a whole. And, and the other thing, going back to esports, you were saying it's you look at the if esports is let's say the revenue is 1 billion a year let's just say that 1 billion dollars you know the gaming gaming space is like 160 billion so less than you know total like 0.7% so we have a long long runway long term um but as far as where we are today it never nothing's ever a straight line up so you're going to have those consolidations and those pullbacks and kind of a restructure of industries you see that all the time you mentioned VR and AR i think that's a great point there too about what happened in 2017 essentially yeah so no you're exactly right and that's kind of how we forecast and that's why we don't even when we're talking to people uh around these sorts of things we don't really highlight that as one of the the i guess you'd say the greatest points of return for us because the reality is it's a very long tail there's so many unknowns and people are very susceptible to you know listening to flashy articles and little things that pop up and saying hey we can do this and the reality is there's no truth to what they can do. It's like, go and test it, get them to do it for you right now today in front of them. If they can't do it, then it doesn't exist. And that's what I don't want to, I guess, sell people on this kind of dream. I just want to actually have tangible, you know, tangible systems and technology that they, it, once we say that we have it, we have it, you can go and use it. And I don't know, changing, that's something in tech that I've seen, I think, which has really hit, especially from company valuations and companies just, being wiped off the face of the earth and people are like, what the hell? Like they had hundred million dollars. Well, yeah, they really sold the dream. They didn't really have the tech. They were hoping that the money wouldn't run out by the time that they built the tech. And that's, I don't know, they have a different sort of approach to these sort of things. That, that's, that's, that's very interesting. Yeah. I kind of call it like the financial arbitrage to the top. And if all, if, if it, all of it was, if it was just a valuation arbitrage, and not structure and not real tech, then there is no bottom essentially is yeah. what you're saying. And that bottom gets taken out. So yeah, I mean, you see the, you see the cyclicality of things I mean, over the years going back to 2000 and, and what's happened over the past couple of decades. But yeah, so um, we've already talked about a little bit, but I'd like to get a little more detail on this as far as how much, I guess in the, in the gaming space, how much um, intrinsic virtual advertising is going on now how new is it? Um, like, is there a percentage or ratio that that you kind of think there is right now? And then, is that really the future? Like, in, is that yeah, really okay. the future of it? So, intrinsic, not much. Uh, very, very little. Like, this is mm -hmm. we're at the sort of the kicking off point now. Like, we're we're only just kicking off our systems um, now. Depends on your definition of intrinsic as well. If I, you're talking about intrinsic that is real time during runtime inserted la, 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 all that kind of stuff in these environments yeah very much it's being kicked off now now if you're talking hard-coded deals uh well i mean ea and everybody's been doing that for forever those things but there's obviously the technical limitations that come along with them the regional limitations that come along with them uh and just the cost of generally managing anything like that it, it's significant so in that sense, intrinsic is, I guess it's persisting, but that there's no technology behind it. But the fully technology-backed intrinsic, that's now. I mean, it's been tried in the past, but timing, tech, all that kind of stuff. So I mean, and this is something I really like to point out to people is the guys that, like, I know people from Massive, um, from, I guess you'd say the IGA background, Double Fusion, all this kind of thing. I know them and we they, they reach out to us from time to time, this kind of thing. Uh, what they were doing was fantastic. That Massive was so far ahead of its time back then, but the reality was the timing was bad. Uh, the technology wasn't there. I mean, just think of it like AWS didn't exist. I mean, distributed compute didn't really exist in the form that it was required back then. Bandwidth didn't exist in the, the form. Like maybe some regional pockets they had at the high enough bandwidth, but for the most part, the world didn't. Um, but I think something that's massive, that probably, uh, ironically massive, but the the biggest point which was probably missed is back then, and this, I, I know a lot of people who objected this, but the recognition of the gaming culture was not 
at a tipping point where it made sense or even mattered for the majority of advertisers. And it is now. You know, the average age of someone being in their 30s, that's prime spending age. The average age being between 18 and 24, like, yeah, you could argue there's a market there, but still very hard to sort of capitalize on. So very different proposition now. Well, something that's came to my mind too is, you know, go back to, I guess, esports is, so my stepfather uh, in his mid-60s, big NASCAR fan, Sunday was the first day that he's he ever watched an esports event. Because NASCAR turned to eNASCAR and they yeah. turned to iRacing. And so I got to talk to him on Sunday and he was like, because, you know, not not to call my stepdad out, but, you know, he, he, my brother's been a Smash Melee player for a long time. And he's kind of given him the needle for years, like, quit playing those games. Don't do that. What are you doing? You know, what's, why are you playing the, you're watching people play other games. Why are you doing that? You know, I'm not trying to, not, not trying to call you out, uh, but, you know, we kind of heard that a little bit. Now, he can say that he has watched an esports event for the first time ever because well, it, was, it, it was on it Fox and FS1. Okay, put it this way. <laughs> Graphics getting to the stage that they're at now, when you're watching a – say you're watching NASCAR and it's being telecast, but you're also you're also maybe watching NASCAR – what is it, Heat 3 they're up to? Uh, if you are looking at it from an untrained eye and you've got your graphics set to maximum – like, what's the difference if you're sitting on a couch? It's a digitized, uh, computer-generated environment versus a real one. Imagine if you didn't know and you had to sit there and pick. I wouldn't be surprised if half people picked the digitized ones. I mean, when you start talking about esports and where it's going, people are just entertained. And I think that's really where it's getting to. Yeah. So and the reason I brought that up was, uh, you know, the average age, like 32, 33. Well, here's this whole different demographic of 60 plus, of now, yeah. 55 plus or whatever, you know, NASCAR average age, whatever it is, that boom, they were in. And there was there was the, you know, the record was broken two weeks ago with 900,000 viewers. And then this weekend broke at Texas Speed, at Texas Virtual Speedway event uh, with 1.3 plus million viewers. Yep. You know, so that it, I mean, they're just destroying live TV records when it comes to viewership in these esports events. But they had the uh, so the, the F1 was down in our office in Melbourne, Australia, uh, yeah. has the, the F1 track that is quite quite literally it's like 200 yards from us. So every every March it is very loud, and then you start having jets fly over and all this kind of stuff. Didn't happen this year because you know the race was all canceled due to coronavirus, mm-hmm. uh, but they did have an F1. Uh, esports event and, and again like you you said the the turnout was phenomenal so you know yeah not the Oz GP I believe is what you're talking about and, and I had uh Jamie McLaurin uh the CEO of, of uh, Veloci Esports on last week and he went through that whole process of what's happened the last two weeks with F1 and the transition they made you know in 48 hours when everything got suspended they said okay we're gonna do it we're gonna we're gonna call it not the Oz GP and do yeah. a virtual event you know, and I thought that was I thought that was brilliant. And now, obviously, you see what the NBA has done. They came out yesterday was a big day, or this week has been some big news as far as finally NBA activating NBA 2K and having the players play one another and represent a team. So every team's going to have a player to play. So Le- I don't know. Look, I don't know who's playing for the Lakers, but it could be LeBron. LeBron could be playing as the Lakers, for example. Yeah. So like that's just that's just an interaction that hasn't happened before. It, yeah. It's very scheduled way in a very just engaging way on all these platforms and and ESPN's going to pick it up. ESPN is going to pick this up. They've already come out and said that. Now I don't know if it's going to be on ESPN Plus for streaming, but ESPN is going to show this event. It's just yeah. incredible. And then they and then NFL's activated Madden. Yeah. So because and the way I someone's asked me, someone I mean I've gotten a number of people reaching out to me as far as like wow, esports is really, you know, it's really kind of exploded the last couple of weeks and things like that and quite frankly it's just it's interesting because obviously there's no other medium yet. I mean, there's no other way to engage now. So mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of by default, but by default you have these activations and now people going back to brands and things like that. Brands now can see the value yeah, because I guess they're almost forced to. Well, I mean, and, and to your point, exactly. I, this is not something that's come out of this virus. This is not something spawned to it. The virus is actually, 
push people to recognize what's already going on and actually see the value of it. And I think we're going to see an effect here that afterwards, when everything does clear up, which it will, that a lot of these audiences actually stay in these environments. They oh, might I was going to ask you that. Back. Yeah. The big, sorry, not to interrupt, but like the big question right now is uh, what's going to happen when mm-hmm. the physical events come back? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and uh, all our modeling basically is going to say that from a psychological impact perspective, there's 18 months that people are going to even take. You're going to get the majority of people going and doing things, but still in the back of the head, they're going to think that there's an element of risk. That just is inherent in human nature. So for the next 18 months, there's going to be a lot more people spending time at home, less, uh, well, less so in large groups and so forth. So, you know, actual uh, events and so forth are going to be pretty significantly impacted. But there's going to be, this is because it hasn't been a week or two. This is going to be several months. This is going to change just core behavior and traits of people. And they're really going to stay in these digital environments. They're going to stay in the esports environments. So, yeah, I mean, even if this was a fad, an event like this has pushed this into just mainstream. This is not going anywhere. Yeah. And so I, I think I've sent someone a message and I said, you know, it's 2020, but it feels like it's 2025. It felt like, like for this industry, and maybe that's a maybe that's a pretty big statement. I maybe shouldn't have said that, but it's kind of like it, it kind of like oh, I, can't pull that back. I mean, it kind of fast forwarded it because it becomes where's where where is people's attention? Yeah, and if it's if it's in the esports space and gaming space, it is where it is, you know. So it's and it's because also another layer to all this is the social. Like I think as humans, we talked about this last week, but as humans, we want to be social. Now, some are more, some are introverted, some are extroverted. You can argue that, but I think in general, there's that layer of you want to interact with other human beings. Oh. And right, <laughs> don't get me started. Okay, I'll, I'll go into something else here. That's, so, fine. Yeah, That's fine. Yes, that uh, we have that element of, uh, I guess, the isolation at the moment that's really sort of pushing people to wanting to more human connection. But right. I, I can tell you now that uh, you know one of our advisors I found out the other day. Uh, was one of the people, actually two, two of them, or actually they built a game. It was called America's Army. Uh, it was the U.S. government, the U.S. DOD basically sponsored the game to be built. Uh, and this is going back, this is what, like, God, this is 15, this is 15 years ago? I can't even remember how long ago this. This is a long time ago. Um, but anyway, so America's Army came out. And I used to play this online, and I, I played it, very competitively it was in a clan did all all the whole lots uh and i met some people that you know i'd never met them but we played the game a lot i still play to this day so this is what this it's got to be 15 years i play with them to this day never met them i know intimate details about their life i know like everything but i've never met these people and it really goes to show that through gaming and that sort of that mindset that you can really meet people, have meaningful relationships and actually get some gain, some friendship out of it. And I've never met the person. So, I mean, in this same sense, you know, when I go and jump online and start playing some games at night, I'm playing with these people. uh, I mean, there's no difference to me. Like the the isolation doesn't really seem real because I've, I've only ever known them this way for over, you know, a decade. So it's crazy that I think this is really going to spawn that as well, uh, more so because people are, I, I don't know if you've seen this, but gaming usage is up 85% in the last couple of weeks. I mean, social media is flat. Go figure. I mean, this is really playing into what everybody's been saying about where gaming is going. So, I mean, it'd be really interesting to see the social dynamics of how uh, there's more friendships and interactions that are happening now via gaming, you know, through things like Discord, which I, you know, I don't know if you know the guys at Discord, but fantastic team. Um, but uh, it, it's it's really interesting to see how these things are evolving. And obviously, you know, we're excited because we are we're building the best tech in a space where everybody is migrating into. So it, it's really exciting to be able to control, not control, but steer the narrative in a positive direction uh, for everybody who who I am as a gamer and who they are as a gamer and, and knowing that they don't want to be, uh, I guess, slammed the same way the net has and uh, bombard them. 
Well, and, and I think the other question too is like, how much engagement can you truly have? What what level of engage, engagement can you have with someone on Twitter? Like that's that, that's my. I point. mean, I mean, Trump could he's got a studio. <laughs> he could show you well, how much engagement you can get. Right. Well, as far it's funny, and but but again, it's conditioning. How many years has been around? It's mainstream, right? That's that's obviously with tech that takes a long time to shift, and sometimes those shifts takes many many years. But it's like I kind of asked that question. It's like you know, what's the next? What's the next layer? Like, what's the next scrolling? Like scrolling feeds and things like that. I mean, I just don't think those exist. I mean, at some point they won't. Like that. That actually isn't a debate. That's yeah. they're not going to exist at some point. So what's the next step, right? And that and we're starting to see that immersiveness of these platforms and and like Minecraft having a graduation. I think some of the some of the kids in Japan developed. A whole graduation for themselves because they couldn't have a physical graduation. Yeah, yeah. So they did yeah. that. So the, could you do that? Like my question is, could you do that on Twitter or Facebook? Absolutely not. You, they couldn't have done that. So that's obviously, and it's not that we're projecting what's going to happen. Like you said, it's already happening. Yeah, yeah, very but, much so. And I mean, you're, you're going to get your holdouts anyway. Like sure, Twitter yeah. definitely suits a particular purpose. Sure, um, sure, sure. Uh, but it's not going to go the direction of the majority. I'd say that. Sure. Right. Exactly. Like different pockets, different places. And then when you get, it just keeps getting deeper. The engagement gets deeper and deeper in what they're doing on Roblox and, and things like that. So I just love having those conversations with people kind of getting their take on it um, because things eventually change and social media has been, I mean, think about it. Social media has been pretty much the same for a long time. I mean, yeah. I mean, I was in, I was a sophomore in college, and you had to, in 2005, and you had to have a college email to get on Facebook. Like you yeah, know, I mean, I mean, how old were you when you got Facebook? I would, God, nineteen, nineteen, yeah. maybe. Yeah, I think it was a good fifteen years ago that I got yeah. Facebook. Yeah, so. and like you, and, and uh, like I had buddies that weren't in college, couldn't get on it, and they yeah. stole, you know, they used someone else's email, but I died <laughs> new email, so. You know, so things have obviously changed. So, yeah, so we're going to grab a couple of questions here at the end. Um, thank you guys for hanging out with us. Um, Jonathan, I appreciate sharing your take on so many different topics. We kind of uh, went through the ringer on some of these things, but they're all, but it's, but it's all connected. I think it's really cool. Yeah. I think it's really cool. I mean, I didn't want to be overly pitchy. So <laughs> yeah. I, I was told that the other day from a university. I was like, God, like, I didn't pitch you at all. I was just telling you <laughs> how you should be thinking about it. I mean, it, it still ended up going ahead and we're going into the, the curriculum and all this, but uh, I was just like. Well, you I, know what? And I'll interject for just a second, but like there's relationships. It was, but I've, know, I've, it's I mean, I've been in the States now for what, like a year? And this this was an Australian university and they, uh, they straight up told me pitchy. I'm like, God, maybe, maybe I have to become more pitchy. I don't know. <laughs> That's awesome. This is a great question, uh, and I'm glad somebody asked this question. So I hope I'm saying your name right. Uh, Dinez on LinkedIn asks, do you guys think investment into gaming startups will peak? It has been flat somewhat the last eight, 12 to 18 months, but do you guys see opportunity here for gaming startups? Yeah, okay, so that is, that is a really good question. Um, and if you've been monitoring it, like you said, for the last – 12 months it's probably been a little bit flat it depends i would say there's less stuff flashy stuff going on but it really was the start of 2018 and 2017 there was a ton of investment going in there now where i'm seeing uh i, I guess a large amount of investment go into is the tech that supports games not necessarily the gaming studios themselves gaming studios getting funded there's there's avenues to go down for that unfortunately it's much like having a college degree going for a job that requires a college degree if you don't have it and that college degree is having some prior success in gaming and this is partly why we are sort of we wanted to build these systems that don't have these requirements and you can start monetizing games the the limits on your earning potential is the audience that you can capture um I would like to see investment increase, but I think at the moment, and I'll, I'll say it because nobody wants to say it in the room, uh, ever, esports is very hard to monetize at the moment. People are struggling to work out the best execution method on how to monetize esports. Now, gaming, on the other hand, in general, is a little bit 
easier. It's a very clear picture of how you can. There's a, you do X and you get this. Um, the only question that sort of originates in that area is how good is the game? Is it going to be in cultural alignment with where the gaming audience is and whether or not they want to play that game? But yeah, like. Well, it's more mature. Most, it's more mature to your point. Yeah. Yeah, it's more mature. So there's more understanding. But like, like, I, I'm sure you've had these questions before, Chris. Is esports is a question mark at the moment on how to monetize. And there's a, I'm, I'm not saying it's gone flat. There's a ton of money going into it, and there's uh, some really big deals with, uh, I guess you'd say, sponsorships and so forth um, going into teams uh, from a lot of large brands and so forth. But you know, we're talking tens of millions in those deals for each, like around but we're not talking the mass numbers that you, i guess the investment community wants to see and that's probably what you're seeing as a response so early on in the call i talked about a curve that you see in like tech and in especially in the valley uh with new concepts new technologies coming out you have a lot of hype and then it drops off and reality sets in and then the technology matures and then you start having that long tail uh, annualized uh, returns on everything that goes on. I think from my perspective, we've kind of, we're on the way down from the reality perspective. Now they're understanding, okay, there needs to be more tech developed to yes, support esports. There needs to be more tech developed to support games, to actually monetize this more, to make it commercially viable for these investments. And I think that's where you're seeing that the, the decrease is that down uh, on the backside of that curve. Uh, I would say that the, the investment is going to increase again, um, not to the degree that you're seeing the valuations that you saw uh, at the start of 2018, the valuations, some of them were astronomical. And it, and it goes back to my point earlier. I said, I don't, I don't like this concept of selling a story. Let's have, let's have some tech backing up what the story is first. Then let's go and do it. And the crazy valuations, like when we do anything for us, we don't look at massive crazy valuations. Like let's just build it. Let's just actually get returns. Then later on, if we get a valuation based on a multiplier of revenue, cool. Let's let's do that. But um, yeah, sorry, that was a very uh, roundabout. No, no, that's so. no. I, I love the perspective of you know, uh, being in the valley and just the conversations that you have. So I do have this is. And this is how I like to divide my time, not only my time, but my investment capital as well, as far as being in the tech space of esports slash gaming, which is very different. And, and people, <laughs> I get a little bit of flack because I don't look, I don't hate teams. I promise you all. I don't, I don't hate esports teams. Obviously, that's a big part of esports of the teams. But as far as from valuation, as far as looking at them, when you look at it as an investing standpoint, right? You look at the return on, on that particular investment. That's obviously you look for ROI. So like you said, the monetization of it and the long tail, is it really making money right now? Is it, what, what is the return on investment? That's a great question because there isn't much profitability currently. So yeah, but in, we need to have that pullback and things like that. And, th and that's great. The thing is also it's so volatile because you have a team around, you have a, you have a league around one game. What happens when that game falls apart as far as a community, as far as something, a disruptive game coming out that, that just wipes it out? And it's happening. Yeah, you just made a, a, a brilliant point. We look at games when we're acquiring, oh, I guess we're integrating into titles. Audiences are transient. Or play it, sorry, players are transient. Now, player bases typically... Uh, I guess you'd say audience bases are derived from player bases. Now, if your player bases are transient, then your audience base is going to be transient. And you can only have maybe, and this is, again, my personal opinion, I can see a game being uh, in the spotlight. And it, it has to be something that really captivated the attention of all the players at that time. But think of, go, go to PUBG. PUBG... 2018 Q1, 3.2 million players. PUBG, Q1 2020, average players per day, 300,000. you just go into a tenth. Now, if we looked at the value that you can derive from 3.2 versus uh, 300,000, and don't get me wrong, I understand people are going to be like, yeah, but, you know, other games come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holding 300,000 is still phenomenal. It really speaks to the game and how it was built and the beliefs and ideals and, and actually 
how much fun you can have playing that game. That's that's still there, but it really speaks to the point that I'm making about transient audience. The audience is transient because of the gamers, and they will change the, I guess you would say the the popular title. And if you're building entire leagues around this, and you're putting investment from a, and think of it from if I if I'm running a venture shop or a fund or something, and I'm running a ten year fund, or I'm thinking my I'm going to put something in, I'm going to going to have an exit or an acquisition or whatever within five years yeah well in in a particular game that could be difficult we're looking at a much shorter cycle here because a particular game can go from being nothing to amazing to nothing in inside of three years mm. so how, how does that work for an investment cycle especially if you've got like longer sort of expectations so i think it's all of these sorts of things that they need to to really recognize so don't go sell on the dream on 3 million people. Go sell on dream maybe on 500,000 where it's probably going to end up if it's a crazy hit and you can't monetize it uh, phenomenally in that interim. And that's wh where we're really coming in and we're trying to create additional monetization. So uh, not only do we do well out of these situations, but investors can get a return out of putting something into these titles, into these teams, whether it's streaming, uh, whether it's creative, whether it's media that, and all the audiences that are around it. Uh, and it's, it's a compounding effect as well. So obviously the brands really benefit from the spotlight that that is while those games are going crazy. So, And, and Danielle's a couple other things. Um, not going to say who or what, what startup or what company, but uh, they had an interesting conversation and basically they're saying, Hey, look, guess what? We are, uh, they, they're not even, they're not even raising and they're being, they're being, they're being, uh, confronted. They're being, uh, uh, reached out to by investors at this point right now. And they're not even raising, but they're, but they're a tech, they're in the tech space within gaming and esports. And be, look, investors are, I, look, I understand obviously the the macro of the markets right now, and like, you hear a lot of, and I'm, and I'm kind of one of those voices where okay, capital is going to slow down. The flow of capital obviously is slow down, but it's not dead. It's not dead, and and, and and people are still. I mean, investors are still looking for opportunities to invest. It doesn't go to zero. It it didn't no. go to it didn't go to zero in two thousand eight. If you're if you're you know uh, someone that understands it's the market, industry specific. Industry specific and this industry where they can see, I wouldn't want to call, I wouldn't say esports and gaming recession proof. It is to a degree, but yeah. uh, it, to very much your point there, let's just put it this way. Like I know for a fact capital has not stopped flowing now, especially in this sector. Now I can't speak for others, but in sure. this sector, it has not. So. Well, some, some sectors evaporated yeah, yeah. within uh, literally two weeks so uh -huh. you know that ju just for the the default of, d of deal flow and that's it, it's coming into the space and it's putting in a higher floor is the way i tell people right right now it really is now let's be honest there's a lot of garbage out there there's garbage in every industry and the, yeah. you know so <laughs> you got to have good tech right but if i would just ask that's the first question if, in my opinion just show me a tech just show me it working don't don't summon the dream show me it working Mm -hmm. That's it. Like they can they can show you a functional demo. It's actually like they can touch it, feel it, do it. Cool. Then this and the rest of it sounds like it, it's it's above bar. Like I mean, just ask for the tech in this industry. Ask for the tech. Exactly. And again, and I've had other conversations with let's just say VCs, right? They they have come out and told me and said through conversations, we're not looking at teams. We're looking at tech infrastructure. And this is, that, I mean, I'm, this problem. is right from their, not from my mouth, their mouth. That's what they, that's conversations I've had. And that's what they're looking at. And then again, that's putting in a higher floor in general before all this happened. And then yeah. now, again, now this, it just, it, it kind of takes it two or three steps above to put a higher floor in. Again, if the tech is there, if the, if the tech is bringing value to the space. So, so Dinez, great question. <laughs> we, we definitely uh, could dissect that in many other ways. So, yeah, but we're, we're up against the clock. Uh, Jonathan, man, I appreciate you jumping on, uh, talking about what you guys are doing over at Frame, frame Play. Uh, also talked about, you know, like the history of advertising with games and how that's worked over the over the years and, and also how you guys see it in the future. But how can people get in touch with you all on social and um, how can they continue the conversation with you? I mean, just reach out on LinkedIn. That's fine. Okay. Uh, any, anyone in 
and anyone on our team, they'll eventually yeah. flick it back. But more than right. welcome to connect with me. I'm happy to make some time for whoever. Okay. Yeah, you guys are like me. LinkedIn is LinkedIn is it for sure. So actually, I'm not a big social media person. Ironically, gotcha. I I have a very small social media presence. I don't like, I guess, tapping my own horn. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you want to come and play PUBG with me or COD. I got you. Well, that's just social media. We already talked about that's it. It's social media. Yeah, it's, it's, it's games. So. Yeah, gaming's yeah. social media. Yeah, and now, now your company's all in on Discord now. So I mean, it's going to have to be around like 3 a.m. Eastern or maybe like <laughs> 2 a.m. Eastern because I finish work at 10 o'clock at night usually. So, yeah. yeah. That, that's awesome. A great example. Like you just said, you say, well, I'm not a big social media person, but I'm on gaming, which yeah. is not so So that's funny. That's the way it works. So, all right, Denise, well, I appreciate those last questions. Um, Thank you very much. So thank you guys for being here. This will be replayed on YouTube. Thank you guys for subscribing, spending time on LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you guys very much. Jonathan, thank you. And I'd love to you guys over at Frameplay. Thanks, mate. Have a good one. All right. See ya. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed the episode. Just want to thank everyone who has done a five-star rating or review. If you enjoy the content, this is a way to get the word out about the Level Up experience, and I really do appreciate it. A couple things, if you want to get connected uh, outside of the podcast, um, we do a live stream on YouTube and LinkedIn. So just search Level Up Experience on YouTube uh, to be a part of the live stream there. We also do LinkedIn Live, as mentioned. Search my name, Chris Reed, C R I S. R-E-E-D to get notifications on either platform. Thank you all for all the support and we'll see you on the next episode.